put on forever. And then the snakes are rejecting and me. And there's crumbs everywhere. Live, laugh, listen at your All right, take two on starting this episode. Oh my god, my brain is like I think I'm maybe I am having heat stroke. Like I literally cannot tell colors <laughs> apart. Okay, well, this is at your own risk, a survival comedy podcast hosted by us, us, and the us is part me. I'm Dana Drew, <laughs> and as you're probably all well too aware of, I um, am death obsessed. As we decided on last week's episode, I just cannot stop thinking about all the ways our lives in the world could just end at any given moment. Yeah, and I'm Sarah Bassey, and I am life obsessed as we're all uh, way too aware of how much I am horrified by merely existing on a day-to-day basis. Um, And if you're new here, Dane and I trade off teaching each other and our listeners how to survive and maybe even thrive if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Uh, So Sarah helps us understand and overcome daily anxieties while I help us understand and prepare for actual life-threatening emergencies. Mm And Mm -hmm. this week, I'm behind the wheel, so buckle the fuck up. But first, I did want to take a moment to say thank you so much to anyone who's listening for being here, for supporting us. Um, And I did also want to take a moment and just kind of explicitly ask for your help. Yeah, so this is our 14th episode of the podcast, which is truly nuts. But it also means that we're at a pretty important phase in regards to like boring behind the scenes stuff like funding, partnerships, and hopefully securing a network, which is like our dream dream. Dream dream. So if you want to help our dream dreams come true, we want to kind of shamelessly ask for your help making our little podcasting dreams come alive. Uh, So the biggest way that you can do that is to head wherever you get your podcasts and slap that subscribe button. Rate the show, maybe even leave a review. Totally. And in the podcast world, that stuff is like so huge when you go to a network. And it's ultimately how people can both organically find our show as well as prove it uh, to potential investors that were worth their time and money, basically. Yeah, exactly. And also something I didn't realize until we got into this is that uh, social stuff is actually really big when you're trying to get people to jump on board with your shit. (laughs) Yeah, your project. (laughs) Yeah, your project. (laughs) Um, So if you can give us a follow, if you're following us already on Instagram and TikTok at at your own risk, the pod. Uh, liking or sharing posts, tagging things, um, like uh, saving any any videos or posts that we make. Uh, some of the best ways to reach a larger audience is actually through like recommendations from friends. So if you know you have friends that you think might like us, give a, give us a share. Um, and it also gives us some sort of tangible proof that our listeners are like real and. Yeah. like us, which we hope you, is true. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that makes me happier than when someone like tags their friend in one of our posts and is like, I think you'll like this podcast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart. It could like truly raise me from the dead. <laughs> I It is absolutely so thrilling. We put so much work into this. Um, you know, we really care about it. We're really enjoying it. It would be mean the world to us to continue doing it in a more significant way. So please, please, please take a moment, uh, leave us a review, give us a follow. Uh, and if you can't right now, please, uh, maybe (laughs) order Siri to like remind you later, jot it down for you or something. Um, and in the meantime, here's a cute ad that, uh, you can do all of that during, unless you're driving, in which case, 
We hope you're heading somewhere fun. And also, this episode is definitely for you. (gasps) Oh my gosh, a clue. So if you listen to our podcast and here you are listening to our podcast, you're well aware that we love our pets, which is why we are absolutely thrilled to be sponsored by Pretty Litter. Okay, so for real, Dana, Pretty Litter is an absolute game changer. Being a millennial, my apartment is pretty small. And now that I work from home, my space is extra important to me. So the smell from George's litter box can be like truly lethal (laughs) and mood altering to say the least. But ever since Pretty Litter sent me a month's supply of their special form, It's like George doesn't even poop in the closet next to my desk. (laughs) Plus, their formula is made to reduce litter, dust, and not aggravate allergies, which we all know is a great way to avoid getting a life-changing parasite. As someone who is always fearing worst-case scenarios and doing everything I can to prepare for them, do you know what my favorite part of Pretty Litter is? Oh my gosh, what? Your face right now. I can't. (laughs) So Pretty Litter actually changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness in your cat. So like urinary tract infection, kidney issues, like the litter actually changes colors to let you know about this early on. Uh, And when I found that out, I was like, okay, so this litter was legit (laughs) made for George because like most cats, he's pretty famous for hiding that he's sick until it's really serious and ruins Sarah's life. And uh, especially for male cats, UTIs can be really, really serious. And all of these issues can be predicted ahead of time if you use pretty litter. So they can help you save your pet's life or at the very least catch an illness before it like balloons into a major issue that costs you a small fortune at the emergency vet. Absolutely. And Dana, having the peace of mind that my litter is not only keeping our house clean and tidy, but also helping me keep an eye on George's health more closely. Um, it just means the world to me. And did we mention that it ships for free to your doorstep and is somehow in a very lightweight, easy to store bag compared to other heavy, bulky cat litter bags? Like, I'm so sick of walking home from the grocery store with those boxes of kitty litter, and it feels like I'm cutting off my fingers. So it really can't get any better than this. Well, Sarah, it can get better, because Pretty Litter (laughs) is offering our listeners 20% off their first month's supply of Pretty Litter if you plug in our special code, and that code is A-Y-O-R at checkout. And not only will that change our listeners' lives, but it will also help support the pod. So what a win-win. Again, Use code AYOR at checkout for 20% off your first month of Pretty Litter today. Love you. We love you and your cats. Uh, bye. bye. Okay. Woo-hoo-hoo. Well, before we dive in, I do want to, as always, just give a little disclaimer that I'm not an expert in any of this. This is all info that is new to me as it is to you. It was researched by somebody who went to college like a decade ago, and now I'm a full-time artist. So please, <laughs> <laughs> I feel great about, I feel good about my research. I feel confident in it, and I feel really good chatting with Sarah about it, but I also don't want you to like die because of my advice. So do your own digging, use some critical thinking. Uh, also, this is all very situational. Yeah. So, Sarah, to get us into this, okay, what do you think the top four most common car-related emergencies are? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the top four. I mean, I think, like, a crash is probably number one. Um, I think about, like, breakdowns on the side of the road. Like, I feel like I see those a lot. Like, where a car is smoking or someone just appears to be, like, stranded. And then those are kind of like the only two I can really think of. Oh, 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 maybe like uh, if there's something wrong with your car, like a, like a flat tire or something. Mm-hmm. But like that's pretty much it. Yeah, totally. So the most common like bucketed car-related emergencies are number one is flat tire. Ooh. Two is, this was weird because how? 
is an empty fuel tank. Oh my gosh, that's procrastination um, which, like, at its highest peak. Also, like, you and I are just way too anxious for that to ever happen. No. Three would definitely happen to me, which is getting locked out of your car. <laughs> that is... And, Empty fuel tank is so not me. Number three, getting locked out couldn't be more me. Yeah. And then number four is having your car battery die, which is also happening yep. to me. There it is. Classic. <laughs> but for this episode, we're obviously not talking about any of those things because uh, most of them won't kill mm-hmm. you. But Sarah, when you think of car-related emergencies, does anything in particular come to mind? Oh, so much. Uh <laughs> Like, is there anything that you would be, like, particularly maybe afraid of? Yeah, well, I think I, I'm i a pretty nervous driver. I'm very nervous. Um, I have – it's where I have, like, the majority of my intrusive thoughts. Like, I think that's when it's the worst, <laughs> which is, like, uh, that I'm going to – like, someone's going to run a red light and hit me or that I'm going to crash into a pole or something. So my biggest fear probably would be, like – on the highway when you're going like top speed uh <laughs> crashing into something that is static that like scares me the most i think so that that's what comes to mind right away wow that's really interesting so i did a little um i really wanted to make this episode like extra juicy and interesting for our audience so i did a poll on instagram asking people what their most afraid of or like think about a lot in terms of life or death situations like in general and i tried not to really like lead the witness here at all and really left it open uh and honestly i was really expecting some kind of like maybe like a natural disaster or honestly if it's me like murder or being kidnapped or something like other people yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but almost 500 people answered and i swear to fucking god i'm truly not exaggerating i should i should try to if i wasn't like a privacy thing i would like take a video of scrolling through all the answers but like i swear that it had to have been like 80% of people, even more than that, said that their biggest fear ever, like something they think about all the time, is getting trapped in a sinking car. Oh my gosh. I would have never, I would have never expected that. But like, yes, that is terrifying. Right? Like, I I agree. It's something I really freaked out about. I think it like is a really interesting topic, but I was really floored that it was so, so, so frequent that everyone was like, definitely this. Like, they were confidently answering right away. So it's, your answer is interesting because I actually think about, like, like normal car accidents a lot. Yeah. And that would also be kind of what I would think of, too, when I went to, like, a car. But I was curious if you would be thinking, like, all the people that answered this poll. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So as we get going, obviously, this is something a lot of people are really afraid of. So I did want to give, like, a brief trigger warning for anyone who might be, like, driving right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Who are, like, actually really, really afraid of this topic. Like, I think that it's a very real fear for a lot of people. Um, I, like, low-key had to take a bunch of breaks when researching this and, like, do some breathing exercises because it's the first topic that's, like, really freaked me out. Yeah, I think there's something, like, really uh, personal and, like, close about it. Yes, that's such a good point. That's really scary. Whereas, like, I think some of the stuff you talked about in the past are, like, larger than life. Like, these are big, big things. Mm -hmm. And this feels very, like, isolated and quiet. I know. Oh, yes, it does. It's so spooky. Um, So I do have quite a bit of, I don't want to call it, like, fluff, but (laughs) I did take a page out of your book, and I kind of tried to think of this from the perspective of, like, what is, you know, like, uh, really the driving force behind why this is something that is so common. Um, for a lot of people to think about. So um, so to give a little outline, some people aren't like, just get to it. 
Uh, I'm going to go over, like, why it's such a common fear, um, why it feels like something, it's something that could happen to us, like, why that's in our brains in the first place. Mm. Um, the, the likelihood that this could happen to you or that it, you know, it's, like, really something you should be worried about. And then, finally, like, if it does happen, what to do. Ah! Um, so I will get to that eventually, but I did want to preface it with some stuff that, like, should hopefully make us feel a little bit better. Yeah, totally. No, I love that. So... To jump right in, there's actually a specific, a couple specific phobias that are related to this topic. Specifically, like, a lot of people specified that it wasn't just their car sinking, but it was, like, they pictured their car, like, rocketing off a bridge oh my God. into, like, a lake. Like, they, like, thought, they thought about, like, driving off something. Right, right, right. No, to me, that's also it, because I can't picture myself, like, slowly driving into a <laughs> pond from, like, beach yeah, level. I can picture myself <laughs> doing that for sure. Um, but... Yeah, so uh, specifically, bridges scare a lot of people, like, by themselves, um, even without water or cars involved, and that fear mm. is called jephirephobia. Oh, great job. Thank you. And then, I did look this up, and then mix that fear in with, like, the fear of heights or falling or water, and you have, like, a really potent stew for, like, super real, very common anxieties. Wow, yeah. Another major category of phobias that really encapsulated a lot of things, which was super interesting, I didn't know any of this is people who are scared of like sinking into oblivion in the car might have something called submechanophobia uh-huh. which is the fear of submerged objects which i like undeniably have this i things under me in the water or like are submerged freak me out so fucking much like so bad <laughs> do they scare you so it doesn't scare me too too much but like this joe definitely has this like a fear of like things underfoot under, like in under the water you. or like yeah. under you and for me it's not even like dangerous stuff or like things that like i could get hurt by or whatever it's like simply like it existing freaks me out so bad (laughs) i so agree i so agree that's like my irrational fear of like crumbs getting stuck to my foot it's like (laughs) the crumbs aren't gonna fucking kill you sarah but like yeah i'm gonna pick my cuticles to death anyway (laughs) so the so the submechanophobia fear is actually made up of a bunch of more specific phobias that kind of branch off under it which was interesting to me um that kind of like cumulate into this fear It would be the fear of the unknown, the fear of losing control, Mm. the fear of hazards or, like, danger, Mm. and then this one I am going to go into, because what the fuck, the fear of ships. Oh my (laughs) god, I'm so glad I just took a sip of water, because that, I would have, like, fully (laughs) spit-taked all over my laptop. This is, like, another millennial, like, getting fucked up by the Titanic kind of a thing. Yes, totally, I know. (laughs) That movie really, like, pictured a lot of things that otherwise we were just kind of thinking about. (laughs) Totally, totally. Like, sex. (laughs) (laughs) And boobs. And foggy horse-drawn buggies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the fear of ships is less common, obviously. Like, I don't know anyone that has this significantly. But then as I started reading about it, I was like, okay, this kind of, like, is less weird than I thought it was. (laughs) So, for example, some people are afraid of, like, any boat or watercraft, while some people's fears are really about, like, a massive cruise ship or, like, a tiny rowboat. Mm. Um, Like, my biggest fear I can think of is, like, being trapped in the dark in the ocean in, like, a tiny rowboat. Oh, my gosh. That... Like, alone. That's, like, the scariest thing I can think of. Maybe if the boat was, like, full of snakes. Ah! Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just add more fears to the boat. (laughs) (laughs) 
just pile it up forever. And then the snakes are rejecting And me. there's crumbs everywhere. <laughs> um, so if you've related to any of these, some uh, basic concepts or ideas for coping, um, obviously these were, are a little difficult to formally diagnose um, in part because you need like money and health insurance and free time and a good therapist and all of that jazz. Um, but also because the fear of things as specific as submerged objects isn't something that most of us have to really manage every day or think about all that often. Mm. Um, but the one thing that was frequently said over and over in like these articles about dealing with these fears is actually like, I'm not even kidding, like listening to this podcast. Oh my gosh. Which I was like, fuck yeah. Oh my gosh, we're the cure for everything. Uh. <laughs> I know. So like not even joking, studies have proven that for phobias based in like the fear of the unknown or the fear of like, what if this doesn't go well? Or like uh, just generally not feeling like you're in control. Mm. Uh, you can really manage the symptoms and reduce their impact on your life by preparing, learning more, understanding logically if this is a threat, if it's real, if it's something you should be worried about, what you can do. Mm. So, like, just absolute chef's kiss. This is exactly why ah! we do this podcast. We, like, I think both of us find that, like, facing our fears or anxieties, learning more about them, like, it actually really helps me feel more, like, prepared and informed and generally less what the fuck about things that otherwise really scare the shit out of me or at least like i don't want to look into them like the stuff you do <laughs> i don't want to take the time to think about it because i'm just like oh my god this is i'm never gonna do this um i need someone to just tell me yeah and you do that and this is great this is exactly what a lot of people need so here we are we're saving fucking lives sarah <laughs> i am so happy you said that because i feel like it's really validating and i'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way but like these fears that we have by talking about them sometimes i think i get in my head and i'm like this is really unhealthy that i do this but i also feel like um yeah it's it really is a coping mechanism and i i really love that mm -hmm. basically by doing this topic you've proved that we deserve to exist <laughs> Which was up for question before. Yep, yep. Well, uh, before we get too far into um, some more maybe technical stuff or details, one thing I was coming across a lot um, is that this is something people are really afraid of in part because people dream about it a no lot. No way. Do you ever have these dreams? I have them all the fucking time. Um, so I, I actually don't. I have a lot of like horrifying dreams, but this is not one of them. Uh, cut to me like tonight <laughs> waking yeah. up in a cold well, hopefully sweat. tonight you'll know how to get out of it <laughs> yeah totally totally and then also and so then i sort of like branched off from that research uh timeline and was like jumping into i should look up these dreams and what they mean and turns out people are really opinionated on interpreting dreams oh i was gonna say like before you get into it that reminds me that my therapist elizabeth always said that it's not the uh the content of the dream that's important it's the feeling that you had that's important to pay attention to but at the same time it is really interesting that we all like as humans uh tend to have similar dreams or similar like symbolism in our dreams or like it's kind of easy to connect our feelings and worries or whatever with dreams um so specifically why are like why are dreams where you're either falling off a bridge in a car into water or just generally like somehow ended up in a car that's sinking? Why are they so common? So for one, like we discussed the 
these dreams are really wrapped up in the fact that this is just like a fear a lot of people have in general. Yeah. So it's it makes sense that if we're having like a nightmare or we're working through bad feelings, that this might be a situation our brain's putting us in because it's like top of mind to apparently a lot of people <laughs> as being terrifying. And then in 2014, a study uh, at the University of Montreal found that the top nightmare fuel scenarios are death, falling, and risk of harm. So this really, like, checks off the box for a lot yeah, of Yeah, I was like, I feel like anything I've ever thought of could fall into one of those categories. <laughs> yeah, totally. It is a little vague. Um, but the whole, like, fall off a bridge and drown in your, like, Toyota Corolla nightmare is common enough that it's a leading question that dream uh, analysis experts get. Yeah. So a typical response from a dream analysis expert, which a lot of this made sense to me, is that bridges might indicate like a life transition or a goal or like a path that you're on. And then dreaming of falling off a bridge indicates uncertainty about like the success in that goal or transition or path. And then also in general, it just kind of like, obviously like, overarchingly represents losing control or failing to manage like an important responsibility or like getting yourself into a sticky situation or if you're not the driver which is also sometimes common in these dreams like it feels like somebody else is in control or like you are a bystander and struggling to deal or like sometimes it's like you're you're the main subject of it like you could be driving the car but you're like watching the dream as if you're watching like a movie does that make sense like that's super spooky too totally it feels really cinematic um which is actually hilarious transitioning into my (laughs) next paragraph which is um that a leading cause for this being a common fear is movies and television Oh, interesting it seems like you've noticed that this is a cinematic theme uh given what you just said because like i feel like when you do picture this stuff you're picturing like a movie scene or you're picturing like it does feel like a set it feels like Mm. really really dramatic um it's pretty common to see vehicles just like boink off a cliff and or a bridge or something in movies and tv Mm -hmm. like to the extent that when i see a car like driving down a narrow bridge in something i'm like oh here we go yep Yep. can't wait to get that underwater shot in a bit (laughs) yeah Yeah. totally um and then i thought that maybe understanding why these scenes are so common in movies might help us reframe um how we feel about them and how we feel about this happening to us so it makes sense that this is a common scene in movies because it is definitely a very good way powerful way to capture a sort of like chaotic moment or up the drama and really show the audience um, scary shit that could potentially happen to them, which is always a powerful moment in cinema is like relating to the audience. And then on top of that, these scenes are also in general a lot easier to shoot and less expensive to produce than standard like accident scenes, car accident scenes, like death scenes in general. You really only have to show the car like hitting a guardrail or like imply it's even happening. And then you can do like little mini cars. Oh my gosh. You know, like a mini set of a car flying into a mini lake and then you make it look real or the invention of like CGI and the sort of... um, just like the way that we are able to manufacture scenes like this in a, in a way really adds a lot of the legwork, like takes a lot of the legwork out of it. So in general, it's just a lot less complicated to shoot a scene like this than it is some other varieties of like car related scenes or death scenes. Wow. And then also, uh, this is so cool, uh, like a car crashing off a bridge into a lake Uh, or something like that, also provides a really convenient way to end, like, a character's life or 
add some drama into a show without explicitly showing any like blood or gore or trauma Mm, oh my gosh which is really ideal for producers and networks so showing gore and violence immediately gives like a show or movie or rating uh uh, show or movie a rating above PG, which makes it difficult to get paid ad- advertisers or like prime TV slots or um, generally like limits your audience in general. So it's oh my gosh, doesn't this happen in a goofy movie? <laughs> Isn't that a fucking thing? Oh my god, this is probably what they were thinking. They were like, we can't <laughs> kill Goofy. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, like, exactly. Like, you can think of this in a lot of stuff. Like, especially if you like cable TV or um, old-timey movie. Like, um, you see these accidents where you don't actually really see, like, any trauma happening. It's just, like, Im- heavily implied. Ooh. And that was, like, a really uh, classic way to kind of get around that and be able to be on air and everything. So it's top of mind to us, and we can really picture it because it's really common. And it's really common for these reasons that actually don't have anything to do with this type of accident being common. Wow. Pretty nuts. Like, that. that's just so available in our heads to picture because of I was just going to say because of money. Yeah, it's so nuts. Yeah. So I have a really quick fun fact before we dive into scary stuff. (laughs) And I mean literally dive into it. Is this like actually a fun fact or is this like one of those fun facts where you like want to? Okay. (laughs) No, this is, I did find this very fun. So there is another way that uh, movies and television frequently would kill off people or add drama to a show that didn't show like trauma or anything particularly gory, um, but did get around the budget issue or the ratings issue. Oh my gosh. Can you think of it? If you can't, please don't worry because this is like kind of, I think, a vague question. Oh my gosh. Well, my first guess would be like, if we're going the, the uh, like nature's elements, so like you have water, I would think like maybe like a fire or like a burning mm. building because like you wouldn't show them like melting, but like totally. you could show but them you'd like... you be like, yikes, they're not doing Yeah, well. you'd be like the house is on fire or whatever. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. But the one that I'm thinking of, <laughs> so you can think of like cars going off bridges and maybe sinking into like yeah. Atlantis <laughs> with you trapped inside as similar to the concept of quicksand. Oh my gosh, I never even considered that. Right, I know, it's nuts. So obviously none of us are walking around like afraid of quicksand. (laughs) And none of us are like, wow, you know how I'm going to go quicksand? (laughs) Like it just seems silly to us that that's like something we're really afraid of or that it feels real and possible. Yeah. But it was a really common bloodless kind of death trap in movie and television uh, for a long time. And one study even showed that quicksand was a really real fear for people who grew up in the 1950s up until around like the 80s or 90s it's a lot less so for generations that are more like uh recent because it kind of became like a trope and how silly it was um there's also a really good john mulaney bit about oh my gosh if we want to reframe a little bit we are as familiar with bridges killing us and us falling into like watery graves as we are with quicksand and they're both kind of equally silly for us to be, like, actively scared oh. of. Obviously, the car thing is a little bit more likely. Um, sure. But really, in the grand scheme of things, they were both, they're both prominent in film and television for this reason. Oh, my gosh. That is so fascinating. And actually, yeah, makes me feel a little bit better. Yes. So your first question might be, like, how, how often is this fucking happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, truly, truly, how often? And the short answer is not often. And... I think we think of this like rocketing off a bridge into like our inevitable demise as uh, 
something that is possible and uh, front of mind, especially when we're in the car or driving over a bridge or what have you, Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely important to know that you're much more likely to get stuck in a sinking car because of flash floods or hurricanes. Oh my gosh, yeah. Which is very topical, and I actually almost covered hurricanes this week. Wow, I mean, I I don't blame you with everything, like, going on right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thoughts with anyone who is being affected by... Uh, hurricanes, but it's really it's really tragic, and that's a really great point. Yeah, I think like we think of um, this sort of cinematic getting stuck in a car that's sinking, but there are a lot of ways that it can happen that are actually like something that we should be prepared for and and mm. cognizant of. And mm-hmm. I have <laughs> I have a lot to say. I don't want to go into too much of a tangent about how I don't think it should be up to civilians to get themselves out of harm's way when there's like a storm. Like it's just so expensive and complicated and there's a lot to it but Mm -hmm. in general if you have the ability like getting out when there's an evacuation order suggestion um because like once the roads are are flooded it's um even if it feels like your car is going through it it's really dangerous and you can really get swept up in some shit and this can happen to you that way like it's not the bridge isn't your enemy well and it happens so quickly like we've all seen those videos where like one moment your car is in basically a puddle and Mm -hmm. then the next minute you're like being swept in a river that was once a highway so it's like listen to the experts and and do your best to get out there as quick as possible yeah and another thing that i found uh this won't make you feel bitter (laughs) necessarily but another thing to note is that bridges and roadway guardrails are really made to withstand like a car hitting them or be smashed into them so more often than not you'll likely just get kind of like accordioned into this hard surface rather than like flying into your like sopping wet grave (laughs) so these kinds of accidents are also just really exactly what like the miserable 24-hour news cycle needs to feed (laughs) worried people who are watching the news like it keeps people engaged it keeps it's like a scary story people are afraid of this it's a really prime story so if this happens like within like states of you you'll probably hear about it (laughs) um so Mm. that kind of cements it into like our consciousness or our um like uh, subconscious even with these dreams of believing that this is a danger that we should be aware of yeah the the tricky part is i was having a hard time it's kind of hard slash impossible to get really specific data on this (laughs) like for example the national transportation safety board does track vehicle related fatalities but they don't specify the cause of the accident for pretty much any of them and then also the CDC tracks deaths by drowning, oh. but their data online doesn't go as far as to say which drownings happened, like, in vehicles or because of a car accident or, like, people falling off bridges or, like, you know, they don't yeah. really specify what led to it. Yeah, we really need, like, a Venn diagram. Yes. We need some, like, really smart person to give us a Venn diagram where these two things overlap. I know. Um, But we do have one study from the University of Manitoba, which concluded that in 1999, 1% of all U.S. vehicle fatalities, which was ultimately 350 people was 1%, were caused by drowning. Wow. Which, like, I'm not going to lie, that didn't, like, make me feel way better. No, I don't feel better. But one thing that they did note that did make me feel a little better is that this would also include um, probably the largest bucket, which is people who are having some sort of medical emergency and aren't conscious. Like, those people aren't necessarily aware of what's happening to them, which might be for the best. Oh my gosh. As much as I 
want to ease people's fears, the fact that this doesn't happen very often also kind of got me thinking. So, like, to think that, like, the first responders that are coming to you maybe have never dealt with this kind of freaked me out. (laughs) Maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here and this is a big part of training or it's, like, not that complicated. I did want to take a moment to ask that if there are any, like, first responders or people who have been in this situation or anything tangential, like, at all, please write into us. I want to hear all about it. Oh, my gosh, please. But, yeah, it kind of freaked me out. Yeah, no, totally. It feels like, honestly, like, I feel like first responders are not, like, lifeguards. Yeah, totally. It's such a different... It's totally, totally different yeah, situation. Yeah, a thousand percent. We need, like, whatever firefighters are, but for, like, water. I guess that's the Marines. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's a lot of that. There's the Coast Guard. Oh, Marines. my God. <laughs> we really need to get on this. <laughs> Who do I need to fucking call? <laughs> All right, so here we are. Your car's fucking sinking somehow for some reason. Oh, no. What do we do? We're going to dive We're going to dive right into it. Okay. So think about it, Sarah. You are <laughs> in a... Your car is in the water. It's starting to sink. Uh, yeah. Can you think of, like, maybe what you would do or what you've heard you should do? Or if you have don't have any ideas or haven't heard anything, that's also very okay. The first thing I would do is unbuckle my seatbelt mm-hmm. and unlock the doors. Mm-hmm. I think there's, like, a moment where you have to let the pressure in your car kind of, like, equal the pressure of the water. Because, like, the the pressure of the water is going to keep you from being able to, like, open the door, if I remember correctly. You're not totally wrong. There's a couple things that we should do differently. Okay. <laughs> a couple things to know about front. When your car hits the water, it's going to be, like, hitting anything. Yeah. It's going to be a very sudden, potentially really dangerous sudden stop to the car so that might really rock your world uh it might also really fuck up the car it might fuck up things in the car uh in general like fyi that might happen oh my god no like i that it's like oh my fuck okay it's like imagine you're in a car accident like you hit a wall and then also you had just started drowning i I know and then also (laughs) Oh my god, that would be like if you witnessed an earthquake and then you just spontaneously combusted. And then like got sucked up into a tornado. I know, this is like really, um, it's really, I feel really unwell right now. Okay, so uh, also some things to know. The engine is the heaviest part of the car. So uh, your car will almost definitely start to tip forward as it gets, as it hits the water. Oh, The air in the like, I guess you call it like the cabin, like where you sit will keep your car buoyant for a while because of the air that's in theory trapped in there. If the water is deeper than your car is tall, you will sink. But like if you you are like definitely in the middle of a lake, <laughs> you need to fucking act right the second. If you were like right at the entrance of a lake, maybe like a little less like fucking urgent. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my God. Okay, I'm laughing because this is awful. I know. Please, yeah, please FYI, when either of us start bursting out laughing, it's because we are ab- trying not to <laughs> like truly vomit into my microphone. Oh my God. Yeah, it releases the pressure in my stomach. Let's all take a collective breath. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Ready? Do you want to count it down? One, two, three. <sighs> Okay. We are not drowning right now, okay? No, there's oxygen. Everything's fine. You are safe and everything's okay. (laughs) Dana's in a trailer. I'm in a tiny closet, (laughs) but at least there's oxygen. All right. So now you're sinking. What do you do? (laughs) So as we're learning pretty rapidly on this podcast, 
If you panic, your chances of survival are, like, tank. Oh, my God. So you're already ahead of the game listening to this podcast, having some knowledge of the situation in advance. Uh, it will absolutely decrease your risk of this being really catastrophic for you to be thinking about it in advance. So great on us. Everyone give yourself a little pat on the back. Yeah, I feel like that's one of my big things, like, with the things that I'm afraid of, is that, like, the resistance to the thing makes it worse. Mm-hmm. I just imagine myself, like, if the, I was in this situation, like trying to detach from it a little bit and be like okay this is happening let's do it yeah whatever you can do to practice like being in uh in the moment in a way that's not like screaming (laughs) (laughs) very valuable skill to have uh so like we learned with airplane emergencies um which as a reminder was you have 90 seconds to get out of an airplane yeah Submerged cars is a little bit more variable, um, but you do need to be aware that at minimum, you have 30 seconds to get out of this car. (gasps) Maximum is more like two minutes. Oh, my God. And this all kind of depends on how new and airtight your car is uh, or the size and shape of your car, which will really ultimately decide how long it floats and isn't at the bottom (laughs) of the ocean. If your car is shaped like a boat, you'll be fine. Oh my god. Okay, reminding everyone again to breathe, <laughs> including myself. Speaking of dissociating, I'm just like, like fucking not in my body right now. <laughs> okay, so obviously our first priority, let's all say it together, get out of the fucking car! Get out of the fucking car! Apparently there are some old wives' tales or like whatever the hell you'd call them. You mentioned one of them. Yeah. Wait for your car to flip. What, are, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> or that you should wait until your car is, like, totally underwater to get out or something like that. I think that's a pretty common oh. thought. And it is based in some truth. We'll get to that. Um, but there are things you should be doing before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you shouldn't just be sitting there, like, counting your blessing. <laughs> yeah. So waiting for the car to fill up means that you're sinking deeper. And sinking deeper means that there is increased water pressure Uh, and the more water pressure the more impossible it will be to do a lot oh my god mostly roll down your window or even unbuckle your seatbelt. yeah this also goes for cars with manual crank windows which was another sort of like myth that i was seeing around is that people think that like not having a car who's a lot of their functionalities is based on like a computer system like automatic windows that like having a more manual car will help you and that's actually not really Mm. true uh so once water is basically touching your window the likelihood of opening it Mm. is really also not great (laughs) uh i didn't know that i mean like it's not impossible it's just gonna be kind of hard um and it's easy for it to get fucked up like you mentioned like if you did the scenario that you were mentioning where you waited until it got submerged and then you open the door by doing that you've decreased your likelihood of surviving by 10 percent. bad sarah it's not definitely going to go wrong, and it might ultimately be better than some other options, but it's not what you want to be waiting around for because it's not necessarily the best bet. So let's go through this in like a step-by-step situation. Mm, love it. Step one, you hit the nail on the head. Very proud of you. Yeah. You want to unlock the doors, uh, unlock your windows if you have any sort of like lock on your windows, and then undo your seatbelts. And then if there are any people in the car who may not be with it or they're like children or whatever, like unbuckle their seatbelt. Mm. Also, pretty much every article I read was like aggressively saying don't call 911. Oh my God. Because you have like 30 seconds. Like you do not fucking have time to call 911. Oh my God. Like hope somebody else saw you and like just hope for the best, but like they're not going to be there. And soon. they're not going to be able 
to help you if you're drowned, like, in a lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and imagine how fun the call will be when you get out alive and you're like, 911? <laughs> yeah, I just escaped my sinking car, so come get me. Also, my boyfriend's still in it. <laughs> he is a cheater anyway, though. Yeah. And it wasn't murder, I swear. So, uh, also, no one really um, explicitly said that fitting through, say, a car window is maybe thin proof oh my god so fucking true i think that there are a lot of people in the world that that would be impossible for and that we shouldn't be like assuming that this is everybody's go-to yeah opportunity so i want to say that for those of you who could fit through a car window mm-hmm. or are able-bodied enough or like there's so many yeah. things you if you're in that bucket of people want to try opening your windows that's your first step So it's preferable to go out a car door window because if the water is turbulent or you're sinking quickly or the water is maybe deep and pressure is increasing, opening the door might actually make make more problems than it solves. Okay. Um, Also, if the car hits the bottom of like the lake or whatever the fuck you're in, it will hit it with enough force that it's likely to slam your door shut, Mm. which will probably cause injury get you trapped even more like there's a lot of bad shit that's associated with that and then if you're thinking you want to go through your windshield um don't even fucking try (laughs) like do not try (laughs) um that didn't occur to me but i would imagine it would be some people's thought um because it's bigger and like maybe you can get more leverage or whatever to kick it um but they're like really made to not break yeah also something to know is that uh electric windows will work for around one minute even if they're they have water damage if you have so a couple things if you have a sunroof (laughs) i was just thinking i needed to get a car with a sunroof and i totally dropped the ball Um, so this can actually give you more time for a few obvious reasons. One being that you likely landed upright in the water and that this will be like the last thing that's submerged. So like you have more time with your sunlight than you do other parts of the car. It's also usually a bigger window than maybe your side window. And then keep in mind that rear windows on a lot of cars don't go down all the way, um, or at the very least are smaller than front windows. So if you have any options... You want to be trying to bust the fuck out of your front, front like, passenger and driver's side windows. Okay. Um, so if you can't get the window down, like, the button's not working, the crank's not working, um, you are going to want to abandon that pretty quickly. Like, a, uh, you're wasting time. You don't have much time. If that seems to be, like, non-functional, let's move on. Yeah. And what you want to be doing is uh, absolutely using all of the adrenaline in your body to bust through that window yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, this will be really fucking hard once the car is submerged uh, in water. So another reason to get this done like ASAP is that you don't want to be wasting any time where you're not like fully underwater. Does that make sense? Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Take advantage of the air while you have it. You're going to want to give yourself some leverage so that you can kick or punch it as hard as you can. They recommend using your elbow or your foot. Uh, And then if you have any, if you have time and the ability wrapping it in some sort of fabric to prevent like really serious injury, that will just fucking add to this chaos. Mm -hmm. So say you've done all these things. Shit's not going well. You still fucking can't get out. You're going to have to do the door. It's going to have to happen. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this isn't like a death sentence. It's like, don't freak out if you have to do this. It's just, Ugh. it just sounds scary and like chaotic. It just doesn't sound like a good time. Uh. So basically, you have to be totally under the water, which is like, fuck, that fucking sucks. That's fucking awful. <laughs> I hate this for you. 
<laughs> like that just adds the scary level to this yeah. by like a million. Like if you get out and you're like on the surface of the oh water, like that's so different than if you're like fucking under the water. Under. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So having to open up the door can be both dangerous and really difficult. Uh, you can. It is possible for you to open it while the door is not fully submerged, but it will be like really fucking hard. Um, and hopefully you've used that time to get out the window. Mm. So. Here you are, car is submerged, you need to try to get out of the door. Um, hot tip. Keep in mind that because the currents or like air pockets, the car can, and in a lot of cases does, roll, flip, or tilt as it sinks. So it won't necessarily just like oh my gosh. plunk to the bottom of the ocean. Or or I should stop saying ocean. That makes this way scarier for some right. reason. Right, right. Totally. So keeping a tight, they say, hold on a door handle. I also saw some people say the steering wheel, although I kind of like the steering wheel moves, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. To just maintain your orientation in the car. Like, you know what you're holding on to. You know where it is in mm-hmm. the car. Because especially if you've already unbuckled your seatbelt, once the water gets in or once things start rocking around, like, you might end up in, like, the fucking trunk. Like, who knows <laughs> where you're going to be. In my mind, this is always nighttime. Me too. Why? I don't know why. I think it's spookier. Probably more movies, movies are like that. Yeah. I'm never watching a movie again. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So something to expect um, and not be totally surprised by slash it's going to fucking suck. When you either open your when you open your door and sometimes if you open your window, if the water is at a right angle, uh, you're going to get fucking blasted in the face with water. <laughs> It'll likely be really forceful um, or at the very least just really disorienting. Also, something to keep in mind is that like this water pressure can, like I said earlier, close your door. And in some cases, I don't really get this, but they were like, it can also make your window go back up, which like, what the fuck? I don't understand that either. It was like talking about like torque. And I was like, I can't possibly comprehend this. <laughs> so basically, like you want to do your best to like fight against this water get out like do do whatever you can to combat this mm-hmm. also keep in mind that if the open window is behind you or in front of you uh it might be easier to remove headrests or recline seats than swim around in a car so if you have those moments when you're sinking to think to do that um that might ultimately be a good time well spent yeah 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 totally if somebody else is trying to bust this window open um or if it's not going well and it seems like you're gonna have to do the door thing and go underwater set up the car for success if you have time for it removing these headrests reclining seats just like kind of create as much of an open space get bags out of the way like stuff's gonna be floating around too if you have any option to like tuck stuff like just just do what you can i mean this seems like really extra yeah, no, that this is like A plus behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and then so you're out. Swim away and get to shore as quickly as you can. Really, really easy to get disoriented, which seems weird because of like gravity um, and your eyeballs, but it is really easy. If you can see in front of you at all, a hack for knowing which way is up is letting out a little bit of air out of your mouth um, or nose and then seeing... Or tooting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let one rip. Letting a fart rip, baby. Save your life. When your IBS is acting up because <laughs> you're terrified you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) yeah see which way your liquid shit goes um it will uh so basically you want to keep an eye on which way the bubbles go and if they wherever they go up is the way you're going up Mm, totally so that is hopefully how you live but i do have some tips for things gadgets you can get and things you can get to uh actually make this all a lot fucking easier yep and i did fun fact for both sarah and our listeners reach out to a company that uh sells a lot of this stuff (gasps) i would really like to 
be able to offer you guys like a coupon code or at the very least like shout out a brand that I would suggest. Yes. Uh, I haven't heard back yet, but I am really, really hoping that we do because that would be super dope. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool because I was just going to say like I will immediately add these to cart like right after I know. this podcast. <laughs> I already have these in my car because I... Because you're smart. Once I knew they existed, I was like, I have, I can't not have these. I'll be sinking in my car and I'll be like, you fucking serious, Dana? <laughs> the number one tool would be, um, it's called a center punch tool and that breaks your window. Uh, it is, it basically is like a little pen. It has like a pointed tip and it's spring loaded and you push it up against your window or like glass um, and you click the button on the back and it like fucking ripples through it and just absolutely shatters mm. your window. So bad most of the time. Great if you're sinking in water. Wow. Another thing to have is a seatbelt cutter. Um, so this is actually like smart to have in general for accidents because it's, um, I, I don't like know any of the actual statistics on this, but it does happen where your seatbelt can get jammed or like stuck in a certain way. Like if your car is fucked up enough that it's really hard to get out of your seatbelt. Um, and so it is basically like a, um, it's like an exacto knife. So I guess you could also just have full-on knives in your car. <laughs> it will save you, like, valuable time and increase your confidence in uh, being able to do this. And ultimately, as we're learning time and time again, prepping for this, talking about it, thinking about it, planning for it. Yep. Unhealthy if you do it as often as Sarah and I do. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this podcast yep. once a week, mm. great solution. You're just getting some tips. So real quick, I have a bunch of resources I want to credit. Um, the AAA website, specifically an art article titled Most Common Roadside Emergencies, Understanding Submechanophobia by Lisa Frixner, Afraid of Driving Off a Bridge? You're Not the Only One <laughs> by Jeremy Fugelberg of the Cincinnati Inquirer. A Reader's Digest article, If Your Car Gets Stuck Sinking Underwater, Here's How to Save Your Own Life by Cheryl Grant. <laughs> Again with the article titles. Again. I know. I know. So on the nose. Uh, um, the Auckland Driver's te uh, Knowledge Test Handbook, USA Today, the CDC, and the Red Cross. Lovely. Dana, this was so fucking good. Oh, good. How are you feeling? I've, I'm, I'm unwell. <laughs> my acid reflux is acting up. Um, but other than that, I feel well. Um... But I do really think that, like, unexpectedly, this is one of our, like, bigger topics. I right? think, like, it just seems like a ton of people are afraid of this. It was definitely a sleeper. I would have never pegged it as something that people were so afraid of. But I really think you helped give people peace of mind. I know you did for me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's really nice because when I was researching it, I was literally, like, really, <laughs> like, I'm not joking. I was, like, so unwell thinking about this happening. Yeah. But, yeah, I think uh, as we're learning with a lot of things like preparation is key thinking about ahead of time is key don't leave yourself stuck in a situation where it's like worst case scenario and then on top of that you have to like think logically like hopefully we can go on autopilot a little bit and have remembered like chatting about it yeah or listening to us chat about mm -hmm. it. it's not likely to happen it's all hollywood's fault <laughs> and um again it's capitalism again fuck the rich <laughs> Always. Who knew yeah. that we're all afraid of sinking in cars because of capitalism? Honestly, we should have known. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break, but please stay tuned because we have some uh, juicy stuff to chat about in a second. Ayo. Hi, friends. Dana here, requesting listener stories from you, the listener. As you know, once a month, Sarah and I have our mini emergency episodes where we read write-ins from our listeners. And in order to do that, we kind of need write-ins from our listeners. 
Write-ins about risks you've taken, risks you want to take, and honestly everything in between. And we know storytelling can be daunting, so if you need some help choosing a story, here are some write-ins we've gotten so far. Surviving a car accident, breaking up with a long-term partner and moving to a new city, barely escaping a 9.0 earthquake, quitting your cushy job with benefits to pursue your dreams, losing a pet, and then they came back from the dead? You know, normal stuff. Even if you don't think you have a juicy story to tell, and trust me, you do, we'd still really love to hear from you. You can send us shoutouts for a friend, family, coworker, or honestly, we really want to know how much you're crushing it lately. To reach us, email at yourownriskthepod at gmail.com and write listener story in the subject line. But if it's easier because email's scary, you can also DM us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at yourownriskthepod, and please include pronouns or any other important information that we definitely do not want to be messing up. Anyways, thanks so much for being here and supporting the podcast. We cannot wait to hear from you. Now back to the show. Well, now that I am no longer submerged uh, in the water, uh, dying in my car, uh, we... We will dive into things that we are proud of. Yes, other than getting out of a sinking car. Yeah, and I really need it this episode because this one was a doozy. I feel ill. So, <laughs> Dana, while I catch my breath, uh, do you want to take it away with what you're proud of this week? Oh, man. Yes, Sarah. I will, and I did, prepare this week, which I'm in of itself proud of. I have been taking on some more work lately, um, which has been difficult for the last few months for a lot of reasons like moving and then getting a space set up and then having any sort of schedule and on top of that like depression and imposter syndrome and anxiety I just feel like I've been like totally drowning in my own brain a lot Mm -hmm. and I also am noticing more so than ever that like I really struggle to be productive and like fully invested and focused on like more than one thing (laughs) so even doing this podcast has been kind of like difficult for me to do my normal job because Mm, I like mm -hmm. really am enjoying doing this so I'll kind of like jump to do something with this or like if I have if I know I have to prep for an episode I just get in this kind of like weird Mm. space where I'm really struggling to be productive outside of that and like I have been doing a lot better with it recently. Um, I honestly had to because I'm just so broke. Mm. Um, I like had to force myself to just like suck it up and figure it out. And I'm really glad that I did. I'm feeling a lot better about it. I took on some work that I would have otherwise probably felt like I didn't have time for or wasn't getting paid <laughs> enough. Oh. I've just been really busy the last couple of days. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's been really nice. Yeah. So I'm feeling really proud of myself for hopefully getting over, like, at least a little bit of a hump for a moment. (laughs) Well, I'm so proud of you, Dana. Like, I think that this is, it's a huge deal. And I think when, you know, you work for yourself, like, like we do, it can be really tough to, like, find that motivation when you have external factors and internal factors that are, like, making that really difficult. And so I think you should give yourself a ton of credit, especially when, like, you're, like you said, not in your own space and selfishly, like, I can't wait for you to get back home so that we can hang out. <laughs> I know. And congrats on, like, finding a way to make it work because that's a big deal. Thank you. I appreciate it. But that is all I'll say because I want to hear about your thing. Uh, yeah. Well, it's hard to follow that up because that's so great. But... Um, and you know this, Dana, and I've mentioned it a little bit in the past, but I have had like a multitude of health issues this year, which I'm sure like there are tons of people who are in like way worse shape than I am in terms of like things that are going on for them. Um, so I don't want to discount that and be like, poor me, but like been having some health issues and like getting some tests done. I feel like 
every week I'm like a human juice box, like getting my blood drawn for some sort of reason. And it's just, it's exhausting. And, um, and so I decided like with all of that going on, things that I can't control, I really wanted to change like how I fuel my body. Cause that's well within, you know, mm-hmm. something on the day to day that I can control. Um, and so last night I was really proud of myself. I like looked up a recipe. I went out, I got some like fresh ingredients and cooked like a really healthy dinner with like asparagus and tomatoes and couscous. And it was really good. And Joe really liked oh, it. And like amazing. my body was so thankful for it. Um, And, like, I don't cook a ton, but I was really proud of myself for, like, getting after it and, like, doing something that was productive but, like, wasn't work. Um, And so, yeah, I just want to keep, like, trying to do that and and obviously make bigger lifestyle changes. But, like, small things like that I feel like are really little and fun wins. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I have, like, two thoughts, one being that I really feel you on the medical stuff. I... As I'm all too open about, yeah. have all sorts of like weird, stupid shit happening to me all the time. Um, and a lot of it is just sort of like um, invisible chronic pain and stuff. Yeah. And it's like really, really, um, it's really fucking horrible to feel like your body is revolting against you or even worse, like you're doing something yes. wrong that's causing all of this shit. And it just makes you feel like either rejected by your own being yes. or like you're such a fucking failure mm-hmm. um, that you can't even sustain existence. No, I totally... <laughs> like, it's, like, it's really, really awful. Yeah, it's so frustrating. You feel like your body is betraying you. The way that I kept describing it to Joe was like, I feel not at home in my body. Like, it doesn't want Absolutely. me there. I totally relate to that. I completely relate to that. And, like, um, yeah, I think, like, celebrating food and, like, nourishing your body in a way that's not wrapped up in, like, calorie counting or, like you know, like, things being diet-centric, but rather, like, what, like, really intuitively eating and learning how to do that and what your body needs. It's really powerful and good. And actually, I've decided that as a goal, I want to get, like, really into cooking. But I'd be super down to, like, uh, cook for you guys and have you cook for us or do something like that, like, once a week. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. And I totally am with you. I'm, like, super with you and wanting to dive into that more. Absolutely. But yeah, I I totally hear that. And I think like, so the listeners know you're a great cook. So I am hype that you're going to get more into this because that means that I get to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll leave you at that. We'll see if that happens. But in the meantime, I want to give a really big shout out as always to Chris Karwaski yeah. for our theme song, for helping with editing, for all of his guidance on this journey. You can find him and hopefully hire him for any of your jingle or comedy needs at Chris Can Be Funny on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Please also give him a follow. It's absolutely worth your time and uh, a requirement if you listen to this podcast. My mom is Chris's biggest fan. <laughs> oh my god, that's so It's cute. so... It's just so, it's so good. You just, you have to do it. And then, as always, please take a moment to leave us a review, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends. This is going to be super, super helpful and important for the coming months, and we cannot ask you enough to do this for us. So, please, like, hit up your best friend who's also probably a worrier just like you are and mm-hmm. send send this their way. Yeah, totally. Um, and like we mentioned earlier, please follow us on social. You can follow us at 
uh, at your own risk, the pod on Instagram and TikTok. Um, also, if you uh, have a story to tell, we definitely want to hear from you for our next uh, listener episode, which will be at the end of this mm-hmm. month. You can email us at at your own risk, the pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And definitely consider visiting our website. It's www.atyourownriskthepod.com for all sorts of helpful links, like a link to our search party club on Patreon, where uh, you can join for as little as $3 a month. Um, and make sure to follow us at your own risk, the pod on Instagram and TikTok. As always, thanks for living, laughing, and listening at your own risk. See, See you, you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Love you. Love you.